Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke, and you are listening to your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw upon the wisdom of the saints and uh, to help you navigate the difficulties, the tumult of this life, um, because God has given us everything we need everything we need to make it to heaven which is what we're going to talk about today yeah and you know what's interesting about this just to frame it a little bit juxtaposition i believe in private revelation i mean i believe in fatima mm -hmm. and akita and all these beautiful things they're great it's wonderful however um if you ask the question what do you need for your salvation like it, it those those things are powerful and good but they are tiny in proportion to what many ignore in terms of where there is power, where there is glory, where there is, you know, uh, substance uh, for us to draw near to the Lord. And that's in the Holy Eucharist. So we're back again with uh, part two on this topic with Father Jesse Mango. Got it right, I think. You did. I did. <laughs> uh, so Stephanie, you want to set us up a little bit about where you wanted to go with this show? I think it's, I think it's, uh, I'm glad we're doing a second one. Yeah. Um so I've learned so much in conversations with you and um, God be praised, you know. So I would love for you to help us to understand the fruits of communion. Like we all know that we're supposed to and we know we should have faith and that he's truly present. Please, Jesus. But tell us what the Lord does in and through the Eucharist in this idea of like, why does he want us to kneel before him and receive him? Why does he want to feed his children? What is it that he's hoping to impart mm -hmm. on us that will help us on this journey? Because I think that's really at the core of this. We need to understand that we need to be fed mm -hmm. and that there's benefits of being fed because otherwise mm -hmm. we, you know, we starve to death. So. Well, a little bit of the background story to the whole backdrop of salvation drama, salvation history. Adam and Eve were in communion with God in the garden before the fall. They lived in incredible fellowship and friendship with God. Mm -hmm. The fall, introducing sin into the picture, created a chaos, created disharmony, broke communion between them and God, between them and themselves, between them and their, and their own personal self, not only amongst themselves as neighbors and, and spouses, and their communion with creation as well. So sin has, is, a, is a break in communion, break in the harmony, the divine rhythm, the divine order that God created. The Lord himself is the only one who could restore that. And in Jesus Christ himself is the reconciliation. Jesus Christ himself is holy communion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he is the communion between earth and heaven. He is the communion between man and God. He is the God-man. He is that reality. And so that's why we're saved in Christ, because he is the reality of the union of heaven and earth. He is communion. 
he existed before all ages as the word of God in the Father's heart in communion with the Holy Spirit. God is communion, the communion of the Holy Trinity. So we spoke about communion as coming into union. So mm-hmm. they don't need to come into union. They are the union in that sense. But we need to come into their union. And this is the whole drama of salvation. The Lord is inviting us through his cross, his passion, death, and resurrection, has has rose rose from the dead in the glorified Christ and created a new humanity that is now able to be shared. Just how we've inherited our humanity from Adam and Eve, but we inherited a fallen, broken humanity. As they generated, they passed on a body that was no longer in communion with divinity and so was subject to illness and the passions disordered, etc. Christ has a new humanity, a new creation, born from his cooperation with his mother Mary, her yes, her cooperation at the cross, etc. Baptism joins us to that humanity. It's the new life. It's the new humanity we're already participating in. But Jesus' humanity is at one with his divinity. That's how we enter into the divinity. Because we're sharing in Jesus Christ. We're in him and it's the work of the Holy Spirit. How this is done, I don't know. All I know is that it's done through the sacraments and it's the work of the Holy Spirit to do this incredible miracle to join us to God. Now that began in baptism. In the Eucharist, Christ wants that life that began in baptism, that joining us to him in his sacred humanity and therefore partaking in the divinity that he shares with the Father and the Holy Spirit, that is nourished principally and most excellently by Holy by the Holy Eucharist, which is Himself, by Him, by feeding on Him, we grow in Him, <laughs> and and so we're coming to the first fruit of the Holy Eucharist. That when in the Mass we offer the sacrifice with Jesus, we enter this His mystery. He makes present His sacrifice, and we enter into it. And we, through baptism, we can participate into it. If we're not baptized and we're at the Mass, we cannot participate in the Mass spiritually. <laughs> so that's just that's why we should. That's why baptism is so crucial. But when through baptism, we're on the same wavelength, you could say, with God, and we can spiritually offer Christ through the because the priest makes this possible, the ordained priest, we offer. And the fruit of that worship and that adoration is communion. The, the Lord then bestows on us himself. It's in adoration, it's in worship that God gives himself to us. That's always going to be the fruit of when we worship God, even throughout the day. The fruit of that is coming into contact with him and receiving him more into our soul grace. Now, the actual reality of Holy Communion, the Eucharist, when, when the priest gives us not just stuff, as we were saying, not just a container, but he's holding a divine person in his hands. When we approach the altar, really, we need to be attentive that I'm approaching a person. It's, it's a person-to-person contact. This changes everything. When I'm a priest and I'm giving out Holy Communion, my flesh is, can be tired. Like I look down in a ciborium and I see lots of bread by my senses. My faith tells me it's not lots of bread, it's Jesus Christ. And when I am drawing Jesus Christ and from that ciborium to present it to his faithful, I witness a wedding. Mm. I'm giving a body to a body. I'm giving a person to a person. Mm. And that changes everything for the priest, even the way he celebrates Mass. And if I could just jump in here and say that, because St. Francis of Assisi has this amazing quote. And I've been trying to celebrate Mass like that. And sometimes I've been criticized. Maybe it's too long. The elevations are too long. But I, I'm saying, yes, sometimes my body doesn't feel it. I'm, I'm dry. 
But I have to tell myself by faith and my intellect, command myself to, to, to muster that reverence that I am holding the living God in my hands. And I tell people, okay, what would you do if you held the living God in your hands? Would you How hurry? would you act? Would no, you, you rush? No, no, no. You would just rush through it. And yeah, yeah. Be, and you'd say the words so fast you can't distinguish yeah, between them. Absolutely. And you would be, you know, you would throw the Eucharist around. Exactly. And yeah. you would just, you would go zoom up yeah, and down and yeah. just throw him on the pattern. And your homilies would be incredibly long because that's the most important thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's what happens, right? People, priests sometimes give long homilies and now they have to rush through the mass. Right. And they damage people's faith. I'm all mm. for a good substantive yeah. homily. I don't care I, about the length. Of the I'm homily. a Dominican, absolutely. But, yeah, but the, yeah. the point being, yes. we, we've you can tell what a priest values. I'm not, we're not picking on priests here. You started it. Absolutely. Yes. We can I'm not. I'm not picking on priests. <laughs> yeah, but you I'm picking a, on myself. I'm well, a priest. <laughs> but you can tell what is valued most yeah. by absolutely. how how the mass flows and where or, time or is where spent. they've been influenced yes. or how yeah, they've yeah, been well, formed. You know, in all honesty, how the mass is celebrated is the biggest catechesis. Yeah. of the Eucharist. Yes. Full stop. Totally you know, and and St. Francis says, the priests, oh, you priests, know what you hold in your hands. You should be trembling with awe and wonder and fear because right. the living God is coming down on the altar. And so, Padre Pio, his Masses yeah. lasted for hours. Yeah, no, he had a particular grace <laughs> no, as well. So okay, I, so I gotta, we can all <laughs> celebrate Mass like Padre Pio. I got to fix this picking on priesting because it's a big deal to me because sure. I hate that. But, and we're not picking on priests. Uh, we're I, not picking on But priests. I want to say this to the laity. Like I've been to mass with with Father Jesse many times. I love the way you do mass. I, I please don't ever change it. I want and and for for the lady who are faithful. When your priests, you know, lady are so quick to criticize priests and do all of this. When they do things like we're talking about and elevate the host slowly, and they're very reverent. Please tell them and please talk about that. Like tell everybody. And just say it's beautiful. Wasn't it amazing? Encourage, Wasn't it beautiful? Encourage, 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 encourage. encourage, encourage. You got to support and, the priests. And I think if you struggle with that and, mm. and you just want things to kind of hurry up because you got a football game to go to in the yeah. fall or whatever it is, or you got to get to lunch or yeah. whatever it is, ask the Lord to increase your faith. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lord, you know, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. And I think as a priest, you have to choose who, I say you have to listen to all of your faithful, but there might just be only a few out there who are complaining that the Mass is long. And if you determine how you celebrate Mass just on a few people who are loud, you know, the sheep there, who I call the sheep, because I say sometimes we have goats as well, and <laughs> I could be a goat as well sometimes. But the sheep, you know, they, they desire to see their Lord. They desire mm -hmm. to be with their Lord, and we do an injustice. And it's not only the priests. If we go to Mass and we're not we don't carry the right dispositions. We can distract people around us. Right. So it's not just about the priests. It's the whole body. So beloved anyway, coming, priests, ignore the goats. Yeah, no. <laughs> so coming back anyway to Holy Communion, this whole drama of the fruit then, the principal fruit of Holy Communion is transformation in Christ, being brought into Holy Communion, being brought into a deeper communion. Because in baptism, we're already brought into communion. And if we're in a state of grace, we're in communion. Jesus transforms us more deeply. And there is no other greater source on earth than where we could be transformed into God than in the Holy Eucharist. We're transformed always by prayer. That's true. We can be, receive sanctifying grace through prayer, through acts of charity, um, almsgiving, through, which is merit, through meritorious actions. And thirdly, the sacraments. But it's principally the Eucharist by which we're transformed in Holy Communion. And, and we speak about the Eucharist as the sacrament of love. 
But in the next show, we'll speak a little bit about Holy Communion uh, as the sacrament too of wisdom. So the first fruit you could say really is this transformation in Christ in his love, where he increases his charity in us, increases his life in us. And there, there are some other fruits that spill on from that, which we can talk about in the next show and then get into the one I'm also excited about because it's often the most forgotten. So we're with Father Jesse Mango of the Dominican House of Prairies from the Irish province of Dominicans. And he's also from Trinidad, Tobago, if you're wondering where his uh, interesting accent comes from. So head out to the Dominican House of Prayer to learn more about him and his work there. And after the break, we'll jump back in and go deeper and find out more that uh, more of what we don't often hear. So we're excited to share it with you. So we'll be right back. The beautiful fact that no suffering is wasted, that all suffering has a purpose. And to wrestle with the idea, which is that everything that happens in our lives is either willed or permitted by God. Okay, God, why would you permit these things? I know that you're a good father and you're a loving father. So there's something there. So I, I have to bridge this gap between your permission of my suffering to your love for me as a father. And Uniformity with God's Will, the book by, by St. Alphonsus Liguori, bridges that gap. And he explains as only he can, because he's such a hard hitter, the reality that these are all moments of growth, of virtue, of, hey, your legs are weak. You're like a newborn deer. You can't stand on your own. We need to get you to stand on your own. You know, those sorts of things, even, even desolation. You know, the day-to-day kind of the ebbs and flows of the spiritual life. Those things are all permitted for a greater good, whatever that might be. Check out the brand new updated version of Uniformity with God's Will titled Finding Peace in the Storm with Commentary by Dan Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio with Father Jesse Mango, Dominican House of Prayer. And... uh, uh, got a beautiful heart for the Eucharist, and we're in our fourth session. So if you missed the first show, you can find it out on spiritualdirection.com, and you should subscribe out there anyway. Um, but uh, And you can get all of our you know events and opportunities and classes and all of that, and this show will be out there as well. But uh, So take it away, Steph. Set us up for the second half of the show. Okay. Okay. So in the first first segment of this show, we were talking about um, the beautiful understanding of the Eucharist and what the Lord's doing. And and I, I had heard this one time, have no clue who said it, but it's such a beautiful truth in that, you know, when we go and we sit down for a meal, we change that bread and yes. all of that into us, right? Yes. We transform it. But when we kneel and receive our Lord, he changes us into him in our reception of him, body, blood, soul, and Mm -hmm. divinity, he's actually changing us. So we know he's love. Mm -hmm. He's the essence. He is love. He is pure spirit. Tell us how our reception of the Lord, like like what all does he impart to us? Why does he want to feed his children? We know why in that first segment, but tell us what's the effect, you know? So as you said there so beautifully that the, the principal effect as we kind of ended the last program on is this transformation into him more deeply, which means that we're receiving all the graces and blessings that Jesus is in all eternity. He's the receptor in the Trinity. He receives his being from the Father in all, 
in eternal life and 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 just loves everything back with the father that the father gave to him the father gave him the ability to to spirate the holy spirit with him to 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 love with infinite love you know that's just who the father is and the father gave him the exact his exact nature which is to give everything infinitely and uh, this is happening eternally never began it just is and we're brought into that life as i said in baptism and but the eucharist jesus himself when we feed on him we grow into him more and more because we are united to jesus and that's why we're saved because we receive then the life that he has always enjoyed in all eternity mm-hmm. that's John. why we say we're not saved in the holy spirit or the father right we're saved in christ because he's the beloved in the trinity so understanding the order in the trinity is important to understanding how salvation plays out and so we're saved in him because he's the receiver of life so being in him we receive the eternal life which he's been getting in all eternity so holy communion transforms us into him then there are like spill on effects you could say from that one of the things is that it's not just an individual act receiving jesus in the eucharist builds up the whole church it creates the church makes the church which flows out of baptism but strengthens the bonds between each other we are in a mystical reality that is more real than we can any see with anything real with our eyes the church is not just an institution hierarchy she is but she's far more wonderful and bizarre <laughs> she's this mystical body mm-hmm. so we we're fund- fundamentally connected that's why there's no such thing as a personal sin mm-hmm. what i do in the secrecy of my home affects every member of the church because we mm-hmm. are in this bond mm-hmm. but what i receive in holy communion what my prayers influence the whole church and the church is mediating this presence in the entire universe not just the world the universe mm-hmm. and so when we receive holy communion then the church is built up the catechism says when the mass is celebrated the church expands mm-hmm. every time mass is celebrated the church grows the gates of hell will not prevail and it won't no I, and it, it because it's a divine institution right you know and nobody could change the sacraments or reinvent them because they're divinely instituted mm-hmm. they're from the word of god the mm-hmm. source in his word source in him so so then that so that's another fruit of the eucharist the building up of the body of christ another fruit of the eucharist is that it protects us from sinning again mm-hmm. so the more the catechism is clear the more frequent we go to holy communion it 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 limits it it wanes the ability in us to sin again Mm. and especially commit mortal sin it strengthens us against that the, temptation that's, that's right the, right yes that's the best way okay and even it will cleanse us of venial sin mm-hmm. a, a true reception of holy communion will cleanse us of venial sin because we're remade in Christ it it won't it principally would not cleanse us of mortal sin for that we have to go to the sacrament of reconciliation sacrament of confession penance to to receive that grace we do great we do great peril to our soul when we receive the holy eucharist in a state of mortal sin because we saint paul says we drink condemnation we we actually bring a lot of darkness upon upon us because we we do something that is not ordered mm-hmm. it's a great disorder to do that now another fruit of the holy eucharist is the catechism says increases we said love but also has a particular mystery with the poor and increases our commitment to the poor mm. and this one it's labeled in the catechism and one of the things i would say mother teresa understood this of calcutta saint charles de foucault great french saint just canonized last year understands this 
when you're accustomed to looking beyond appearances to a reality, when you're accustomed to going to mass and adoring the Eucharist or, or extending that in, in adoration and looking beyond things that don't, that do not give up their true appearance at first right. sight. Right. So the Eucharist is Jesus Christ, is Jesus Christ, but it looks like bread, but it's Jesus Christ after the mass. When you're in the habit of going beyond the surface, I'd say to the reality of that mystery, that is a habit you form in your soul that you could transfer into relations with others. Mm. That mm. you start to look beyond their flesh and their faces to the mystery of Jesus before you. Right. And this is the same for the poor because Jesus has a special presence in the poor. It's in the scriptures. It's almost like a sacramental presence in one sense because it's doing something to the poor. Jesus says, you do it to me. The poor being not just materially poor, the spiritually poor, the broken, those in prison, whatever. Mm. There's a there's a special mystery there. Mother Teresa would say adoring would lead you to find Jesus in your neighbor, in your spouse. But that calls for a greater level of contemplation. But it's my experience, and I'm sure it's the experience of so many adorers or people who are frequent with Eucharistic adoration, that when you, you so want to be with Jesus, the rest of your day, you're so clinging and searching for him that you, you, mental prayer then develops or you want mental prayer to develop. You want to see him in your neighbor because you miss him so much from being with him in the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. So there's like an order of things, I think. Like it leads that way. The last fruit that I'm excited about is what I know you want me to share about is this thing that I'm working on in my thesis. I'm studying in Rome in the Angelicum and I'm writing on something that I don't hear often enough or very little from theologians or even in the catechism. It's implied, but it's, it's not said. And, I, and my argument in my little thesis is that, well, this is something major and it should be. Um, and it's the fruit of the Eucharist is also wisdom. Because we are not just a will. We're not just people of desire. We're people clearly of intellect. And a great principle of our Dominican spirituality and Thomas Aquinas says you cannot love what you do not know. So the more we grow in knowledge of God, which is by spiritual reading and doing formation classes with the Avil Institute and so many beautiful institutes, increases our depth of God. And we bring that wisdom of God through study, through the sacred scripture, through, through good philosophy, through, through you know, the church's tradition. And that wisdom is the light, is actually Christ himself. It shines in our mind and that orders our love and intensifies our love. Mm -hmm. Now, when we receive the Holy Eucharist, we receive the source of all charity. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. He sends the Holy Spirit from his Eucharistic heart. And from love flows all the gifts, including wisdom. But we have to speak about wisdom principally because of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, piety, knowledge, understanding, wisdom is the greatest. Mm -hmm. And wisdom doubles back. It comes from love, but it doubles back and it perfects love. Beautiful. Because it tells love its true end mm. by taste. See, the gift of wisdom in the Eucharist is a taste of God. The gift of wisdom, according to the tradition, when it's infused in the soul, is actually a spiritual taste of God by contact with God, a union with God that bids forth an experience. I gave the example before about you, you could talk about grits and you don't know what <laughs> grits is until you eat it. So right. Southern food for those who have no idea. What yeah, and about. I still don't know what it is. But, but, but until you taste it, you don't know really what it is. And the gift of wisdom gives us this interior taste of God. That's why somebody like who never studied theology, praying a lot, going a lot to the sacraments, knows God better than the best theologian mm -hmm. who might not have any love in their heart, no, no real faith. Yeah. So because mm -hmm. God has 
given them a taste of him in their heart. And that's wisdom. There are some doctors of the church who fit in that category without deep formal theological formation. Oh, yes. But deep prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they teach us the Catherine mm -hmm. of Siena. Yeah. Yeah. And Teresa of Avila. You know, you know speaking of yeah. Siena, so. Catherine of Siena, there's this beautiful quote in the dialogues this about this holy science. Yeah. Do you remember that quote where she's where the God the Father says to her that those who undertake this holy science, which is the yes. understanding of God and, and how this all works that you're talking about, they come to know the more they come to know, the more they love. Because mm -hmm. it's not a knowledge that is purely natural. It's a supernatural knowledge that transforms the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. We grow in light. So St. Catherine of Siena, well, actually, St. John Paul II in his great encyclical, um, you, um, Ecclesia de Eucharistia speaks about quotes in Ephraim the Syrian and he says Eucharist is like eating fire and light fire the Holy Spirit light the wisdom of God because Jesus who is Jesus Christ he's the eternal wisdom the Holy Spirit is eternal love but Jesus is eternal wisdom and it's it's Eucharist is the wisdom incarnate continued with us Jesus is prolongation of eternal wisdom. So we eat wisdom. So come back to St. Augustine. What you eat, you become. Yes. So if you eat wisdom, you grow in wisdom as well. And that is powerful because people are searching a lot of Eastern esoteric things right now, looking for enlightenment. You could just say, actually, there's something we have. And it's not a something, it's someone you could eat. Right. You could eat God. Mm -hmm. And in eating God, you become wise yeah. and more loving. And, more and, loving. and if you're despot, if you're disposed. Yeah. 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 So, I, so I just want to share that because I you never hear anybody. And I'm so excited about that. Now you do see some of the church fathers speaking about it, but it's not, I think we need to do a much better chance because yes. even the beginning tried to get wisdom by eating. Yeah. And yeah. now we're redeemed in wisdom by eating the Eucharist yeah. and, and gaining true love. So, so very par powerful. And I just real quick, I had, I just, as you were speaking, I was, you know, putting this all together. And um, Dan often says, you know, love builds a bridge over which truth can pass. I love it. And so we receive the Lord who is love himself. We eat him. He helps us to recognize his yes. presence in our neighbor. Yeah. So we build that bridge of love to our neighbor because Amen. they are they are Jesus in the poor, spiritually poor, physically poor, emotionally poor, all of that. And then and, and loving them, mm -hmm. we can draw them and then we will grow in love. The more we receive, the more wisdom, the more light, the more fire. Amen. And with, Please, Jesus, and with let that, us all be set on we'll fire. Welcome to Father, know him. Just yes. remain the Dominican House of Prayer out on YouTube. Okay. Until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body irreproachable at the coming of our Lord. Jesus Christ. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.